0: Water is going to fill the path that gravity takes it. It's how we get rivers that flow downstream into oceans. It's how we get ocean waves on our shores. And once that water evaporates, gravity takes over again. One of the few things that is constant about water is that it is always changing. Marketing is like water. Every SaaS B2B operator needs it, but oftentimes the best strategies and tactics can be fleeting. They're always changing. When someone discovers a new place for marketing to flow, the floodgates are open. It's in this way that marketing can be frustrating. If you don't stay on top of it, numbers won't be met and eventually opportunities can dry up. We've chatted with a lot of marketing professionals on Protect the Hustle, but today we bring you a special case. Tara Robertson was nice enough to sit down with us not even a week into her role as CMO of Bitly. Tara is not new to the marketing world with stops at Hotjar, Sprout Social, and Teamwork. She is a seasoned pro who is great to learn from. Listen on as we open the floodgates on what it takes to start a brand new marketing team. From Paddle, it's Protect the Hustle, where we explore the truth behind the strategy and tactics of B2B SaaS growth to make you an outstanding operator. On today's episode, Paddle CSO Patrick Campbell interviews Tara Robertson about running a high-functioning marketing team. We talk about connecting emotion and value to drive results, what to look for when building a marketing team, prioritizing efforts on areas of biggest influence, setting up a team of highly skilled marketers, and which partnerships are essential within your organization timestamps to each section are listed in the show notes. And after you finish the episode, check out an in-depth field guide that'll help you accomplish your marketing goals.
1: Who are you? What do you do?
2: Tara Robertson. I'm the CMO at Bitly.
1: I'm glad you say your name because we've known each other for like, what, six years now? And I still am so like, Tara, 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 Tara <laughs> every single time, which is always really exciting. But yeah, Bitly, like technically you're only day six in day six at in. the recording of this. So maybe you're like pitch isn't really ready, but I know you've like interviewed and stuff like that, obviously for a little while since, but like, what does yeah, Bitly do?
2: I will do my best. So most people know Bitly as link management or link shorteners. Sure. Um, what they don't know is that this past year, Bitly acquired QR code generator, and we're actually in a process right now of being a catalyst for connections. And so we do QR codes, link management and link in bio. Uh, and really, the mission of the company is to connect people with each other between the digital ecosystem. I
1: didn't know you guys went to LinkedIn Bio. That's yeah. so smart, right? And that and that's what what I loved about you and I were catching up before. Of like, Bitly has been around for a long time. Right. Link shortening that was kind of the thing, and then now it's evolved into really kind of going to this expansive mission, which is really really cool. That's awesome. And for the folks who don't know, like, what's a little bit of like your background? All in marketing, but you've been through you've been through some really cool things. I would argue. I have been. So-
2: so lucky to work with some amazing brands. So I spent the last two years at Teamwork, which is project management software, and before that, I was at Sprout Social, led up marketing strategy and customer marketing. Was lucky to be there during when we went public and going through the full acquisition. We were together
1: the day you went public. We were together know if you the day I went, that. I went. Oh, I remember we that. We were at an yeah. event and you were in. You were like, I really want to go to the next thing, but I have to sit here on my computer I and like watch, watch, watch ring the, the bell. bell. Yeah, yeah, which is so cool. That's great. But yeah, I interrupt you. So Sprout No, show, that was and then, great. Yeah. And then
2: before that, I was at Hot Jars. So I've worked in some pretty amazing, remarkable brands.
1: That's really cool. Yeah, that's where I think we actually met was in Malta. Yeah. You were just like there and I was hanging out with David. There's an American like on the stage. Yeah, another, yeah Look at that a, guy. Like that. We should say hi. <laughs> yeah, Malta is just a fascinating place as well. But I think that what I've always loved about your career and just like, you know, being friends of yours is that what I've always really admired is like you have the ability to go broad, but also deep. And I don't think you choose to go like deep everywhere, but like you kind of have that balance. Like, is that something that you've developed because it's just really important to be a marketing leader? Or is it something that like you're just naturally built for and, you know, kind of go from there? So tell me about your childhood.
2: What (laughs) a good question. Oh my gosh, 1000% learned. Absolutely not who I was when I first started my career. I would say the last decade or so, I have been so honed in on trying to learn everything you possibly can about focus, reading all the books, listening to the podcasts, trying to dig into thinking about how do you find the way to create ruthless prioritization when it comes to Where are you gonna put all your effort and what's gonna drive the most impact? And sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong. Uh, Depends on when you take the risks. But I would say early in my career, you know, we all go through those stages when you think, I can do it all. And you don't know what you don't know, but you don't know yet that you don't know what you don't know. Uh, And so I think I learned by falling down and doing too much and burning myself out that you actually have to be really prioritized and you have to be focused. Uh, And that's been a really big thing that I focused on in my career.
1: Yeah. And I think it's also really important to realize that I think startups or like tech, you know, I think you could speak more broadly about it's like the best self-help program ever yeah. because it's, 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 if you're trying to strive, which, you know, it's okay. Like some people in their careers sometimes aren't trying to strive, but if you're trying to strive, you're getting punched in the face all the time <laughs> because it's, it's such a fast moving like environment, no matter the actual product or vertical. Right. And I think like for me, like what I'm always curious about, and I, I, do, I don't think we've ever had this conversation, like why market Like, why, why was it this over being a firefighter over being like something else, but also like, as you got into tech and business, like why, why this area of the business?
2: I have so many answers to that. So I'm going to try to hone in on it. I remember, I actually remember the moment when I was in college, I initially went to college, had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. You know, some people go to school and they think this is exactly what I want to do. And these are the classes I'm going to take. I started out as a theater major which is crazy, and then moved into communications. And I remember sitting in my first marketing class, and I was suddenly seeing this connection between creativity and art and then science and data and people and connecting it together. And it spoke to me. I just kind of saw all of these different components and things that I got really excited and interested in so chose then to go on to get my masters in integrated marketing and went to a small school in Boston which was such a great experience and you know in general it's just part of who I am and a passion and I think when I connect that with tech part of what I loved about moving into the technology space and this is this is dependent on where you work and who you work with, but I've been lucky to work with some brands that care not just about creating a great product, but also creating a great people experience and opportunities for communities, um, especially underrepresented communities to get opportunities in the world. And so while I don't work for a nonprofit, so I won't go and say, you know, I'm waving the flag of doing all the good in the world. uh, I do love that I can work for companies that can do good while also taking in that really exciting piece of learning how to connect the human brain with emotion and value and driving results.
1: You're a great speaker, like at conferences, just to give you a plug there. And I've seen you speak a number of times. So like, I I feel like I have enough of a, um, a sample size to like say that connecting like, oh, like you've done theater. Like now I like get it. Like when you do your, your attention getter and stuff like that at the beginning of talks, I was like, oh, I see this. This is like a theater exercise or something like that. It's really interesting, the connections there. And I, I do feel as if marketing is that space, marketing and product where that like, there's an art here, there's also a science that needs to be studied. And you can kind of lean a little hard into one of those or the other, depending on like your style. But I, I think that's really, really smart. What I'm kind of curious about, and I'd love to go deep on is you're six days in. You've built or been a part of building great marketing teams. I'm just kind of curious, like, how do you think about what good looks like with a marketing team, first hires, all these types of things? Like if I was listening to this and thinking, I got to build a marketing team or I failed at marketing many times, like, how do I get it right? Like, I'd love to go deep on that. So I guess where do we start? Like yeah. defining it or where, where, where's the starting point? I can
2: tell you what I'm doing right now yes. on day six. So I think really depending on what you're working on, where you're going deep, every company is different. And it's really important that when you start any new job, regardless of if you're startup, if you're growth stage, if you're enterprise, you have to listen. And so step one, my first 30 days, a lot of people had these expectations of me coming in the door and think, oh, Tara's here, she's gonna start doing all these things. And my number one priority right now is just listening, setting up time with everybody in marketing, Everybody in partnership orgs that I work with, the entire executive team, asking them all the same questions the same way we do with customer research and really starting to understand where the opportunities are, where the gaps are and what the makeup of the machine should look like. Balancing that also with understanding what our priorities are. So you have to know your metrics and you have to know your goals as a business. And again, every business is different. I've worked in organizations where marketing was very demand generation heavy. I've worked in organizations where it's much more focused on product marketing and positioning and really driving a stronger brand. And so I think by getting in and really understanding your goals as well as understanding the people and what the people need, you can start to then map out your organizational design. Now, I say that with also saying there are some roles that I think are critical to any marketing organization as, as a marketer myself, but also as a CMO, can't do it all, right? And I think the other thing, we were talking about this right before we started. One of the things I've learned in my career is you don't know what you don't know. And I definitely can't do all of it. And I'm big believer of hiring people smarter than you. And so I look for the gaps that I have also and figure out what are those partners that I'm going to need in order to make sure that we can build out a proper marketing organization that's going to drive the right impact. Uh, And so it's first getting to know your team, mapping out the organizational design, and then starting to kind of bring people along for the ride.
1: So I think you said something like you glossed over it because I think it's very obvious to you, but I think it's really important to point out similar to how we do customer research doing that internally. Right. Because I think that there are founders out there. I used to be one of them where it was like, wait a minute, like you're just going to go like learn for nine, nine months or three months or whatever it is. Right. And then there's also, you know, people out there who when they go and say, yeah, I'm going to have to go like learn for 30 days. They're just kind of like having a couple of conversations though. But I presume, and correct me if I'm wrong, based on that verbiage, this is a structured learning process. Like, I am seeking X, I'm seeking Y, looks like we say this, we don't actually do this with the data, that type of thing. Is that how intense it is? Like, at least on your end, and maybe the person you're interviewing is not, you know, feeling that, but is that is that the level? And if so, could you give me a little bit of depth there?
2: Yeah, so some of the questions that I'll ask when I first start, and you're absolutely right, it's very, very systematic with the way that I approach all of the interviews. And depending on the group of interviews, you know, if it's a marketing team member, I might ask one question. If it's a leadership team member, I might ask another. One question I ask everyone is, what are you hoping I'll accomplish? You know, what are your hopes and dreams of me walking in the door that your expectations were you're going to do X? And then usually what I'll do is take all of the answers to the questions that I ask. And I start to collate that feedback and put it into a spreadsheet and then really analyze what are the things that are coming to the top and then put together essentially a plan that says, based on everything I've seen, You know, I'll get as deep as saying 72% of the people that I spoke with all mentioned we need process or all mentioned that we need to build a better system for how prioritization come on. Or 40% of the people mentioned that we need this specific role, which is the most sought after position within the department. Um, And then I use that to then balance it against what the goals are for the department to then figure out how we then will prioritize a roadmap, how we prioritize our hiring. And that doesn't mean I'll go out and immediately start hiring for those positions. It's really about putting together a plan sure. and then walking people through it, getting their feedback again. And so it's, it's really systematic in the way that I think about interviewing, then parsing, and then actually presenting a lot of that feedback. And I think the really important part that a lot of people don't think about is the importance of a roadshow. Once you get all of that feedback and you understand this is where I'm going to focus, which includes building your org structure, starting to figure out the hiring, going around to each department, going around to each team and presenting it back to them, giving them transparency into this is what we're thinking. This is what marketing will look like. And that becomes so important because then what you're doing is creating collaboration, but you're also getting buy-in for a lot of what you're planning to do. And that's often putting together a 12-month, 24-month plan.
1: Interesting. There's a lot of probably like function leaders or um, people on the front lines, for lack of better phrase, where that's just a rich amount of information to learn about like customer by proxy, like these types of things. But then, not saying at Bitly, but like in other organizations, and maybe a little bit at Bitly, there's a lot of people who think they know what marketing is or how like to do marketing, right? It's like, oh, it's just ads, right? Yeah. Like that's, you know... 10 years ago, that's what I told you. Isn't it just ads? Like everyone thinks
2: they know marketing. Right.
1: And so, so my, my question is is like you're doing this interview and you're synthesizing, and obviously, you have like you're a marketing leader, so you know how to like pick a direction. Let's say you're like, here's how we're gonna win, or whatever that doc ends up looking like in that roche, you're going on. But Joe, the CEO, said, you know, we need to do content. I saw this article that I read about how important content is, and then Sally and customer success is like oh, I I talked to so-and-so and and they said the best marketing they ever did was case studies. We need a bunch of case studies, right? And some of it's like, this is the direction you should take. And some of it's, this is a tactical thing that we need. How do you kind of like handle that situation? Because I think marketing, especially CMO role is the worst exec role because it could be so broad, but also it kind of gets blamed for everything because obviously it's not product's fault. Obviously it's not sales fault, right? So so how do you kind of handle that opinion and also you might be choosing directions that intuitively they don't understand or don't agree with.
2: Absolutely. So, so many thoughts. One, you're right. You've got to have thick skin. A lot of people will have opinions about what marketing should or shouldn't do. And so lead with the data with everything that you work on and your priorities. I think a lot of it truly comes down to process. And so when you build a well-oiled marketing machine, some of my favorite hires, honestly, is in a marketing revenue ops, program management and operations role where we can actually get structure around how we're prioritizing the work we're doing within marketing. And so when I work with the leadership team and we do our roadmap planning for, here's our strategic objectives and this is what we're going to do for the year. We break that down into, okay, well, how are we going to do that? We think these are the top five things we need to be doing. We cool, we cool. Everybody's cool. Then, like you said, a week later, someone comes rolling in and says, I need a sell sheet, or I need this case study, or we need to build this community. And they're never necessarily bad ideas. I try to always go into those with curiosity and not judgment because, one, I'm also new. I don't know as much as the people that work at the business do. But two, we've all agreed, we've committed, and we've got our roadmap. And so the conversation becomes less of no, we're not going to do that, or you're wrong in either direction, and more of, well, okay, let's talk about that. You think this case study is super important. I'm going to pull up the marketing roadmap right now, and let's look at our priorities. If we want to fit that in, this is the priority that needs to move out, and really help create that alignment on what is the most important thing we're doing. And then you've got an interesting conversation of, well, I absolutely don't think that a case study is more important than driving up paid acquisition. And it becomes a lot easier to have those conversations. So I think you have to own the narrative and you have to own your roadmap, but you also have to be collaborative and make sure that you're listening with intent, that you're curious, you ask the why, and then you pull it up and you look at it together and say like, I don't think that's the right thing to do. This is why I don't think it is. But if you really truly do, especially with your CEO relationship, then these are the things that would have to move.
1: My favorite question with that type of stuff is also like, what would you move off this list, right? right? Cause you're not telling them then you're like, you think through this and it can backfire cause they can be like, I didn't never like number three or whatever like that. And I guess like beyond this as well, cause there's an interesting question, but to get there, I have a different question is like, there's the, the idea of the T-shaped marketing strategy, right? Which I don't know if you've heard, but Love it's-
2: Love T-shaped marketing.
1: Okay, yeah. So basically there's all these different areas of marketing, SEO paid content, blah, blah, blah. There's all these different areas. And then presumably the T-shape, and I think there's a lot of people who use it different ways, is, okay, but we as a strategy, we're going to go deep on these two things or one thing or three things, not really a scientific thing. Is that how you kind of think about the strategy? So like at Bitly, it's a little early in terms of data, but do you envision the thing that you're going to go roadshow or the thing you're going to go is like, we're going to do these two things, these two channels, these two whatever, we're going to go deep and we're going to like run this flywheel and then all the other areas are going to support Is that what you're getting towards? Is that basically what it is? Okay. Yeah.
2: And I would say already at Bitly, that's what we're going to be working on. Um, That's part of what I hope to bring to any org that I work with is ruthless prioritization is critical. And the way that we think about the work that we do every quarter with every team I've worked on, we'll do a start, stop, continue to understand of the recurring work that we're doing. What are the things that are actually moving the needle in the way that we want them to? And is there anything that we can take out that isn't necessarily a good use of our time or isn't the right thing we should be doing? Based on that, we'll prioritize the marketing department on what's just the recurring stuff that we got to make sure we're doing. And then the marketing leadership team, which includes usually your senior leaders, your people managers, will do a brainstorming and in getting into our quarterly planning on what's the big thing. And I would usually go off of the rule of one to three, no more than three big things, but really no more than one big thing. And you do that thing brilliantly. And once you do that thing, you start to execute on it, and you start to drive the results, that's when you can start to think about the next big thing, really. And that's the same for a really large marketing organization. That's how we ran it at Sprout, to a much smaller organization in a startup. Uh, Because once you have a million different things that you're trying to do, I think the phrase is, it's like two rabbits running in an opposite direction, right? You'll never catch one of them. And so it's really about figuring out what is the thing that we all lean into. And then I think the important part there. That's, that's maybe worth going into is how that impacts other departments. Because usually our one big thing needs sales, yeah. needs success, needs the product org. And so I'll work with the go-to-market quadrant or the go-to-market team on really thinking about How do we make sure that this campaign that we're running drives revenue? How do we make sure that we're getting customer happiness or customer engagement on this or advocacy? Um, Because that's where your partnership becomes so much stronger and your marketing efforts then will compound.
1: Before we get there, actually, so just to clarify or, or make sure I'm getting this right. So will those big things, one to three, and then the medium things, do they all revolve around one of those T's, right? So like, just to set this up, right? Let's say given our market, our customer, whoever it is, we're going to go deep on content. And then that means like media, let's say. And then that means we're also going to go deep on SEO because it's a very complimentary thing. And it's going to be like that playbook that supports sales. That means those big things under this arrangement that I'm clarifying, mostly always are in those two parts of the T. And yeah, we'll have initiatives that are paid ads or we'll have initiatives that are ABM or we'll have initiatives that are those things. Those are never going to go super deep, at least in our current structure. Is that... Is that right?
2: Sometimes. I think it really depends on the thing, okay. right? So sometimes if, if we're talking about one thing that we're working on, like right now at Bitly, we're working on a big brand campaign. And that big brand campaign is very focused on your tea, right? You've got your brand and PR. We've got some out of home that we're working on. some really cool stuff. Very exciting day six. But sometimes there's also campaigns that I've done in previous roles, like at Teamwork, we did a huge digital event. And that actually required all the teas because we might have one department that's really driving that initiative, but then we're going to need help and support from social media. We're going to need help and support from lifecycle marketing and other parts of the division. And so usually the way we would work on that is, you know, your T is the driver, yep. right? That's the person that's driving that initiative home. And then we bring in all the collaborators, whether you use, I don't know if you're familiar with the Dacy or Racy, your, you know, driver's accountable, contributor's yep. responsible, yep. right? Um, so whatever the Dacy or Racy looks like, that's when we'll bring in the other team members to execute their part of the plan that helps that. So
1: so I guess to ask this a little bit differently, you're not like, if that event goes well, we're going to like double down on it, but we're not going to move our entire marketing strategy to be like event-based. It's going to be more, we're doing a bunch of other stuff. That stuff depends on the needles that we're seeing move. More of the stuff that moves the needles, less of the stuff that doesn't. And it's, it's more like function-based in some, some respects as well. Is that, yeah. is that kind of a good summary? Okay. Yeah,
2: definitely. And kind of squad-based.
1: Because some CMOs, it's like, it's not necessarily that they just copy and paste the thing that they did successfully before. But sometimes it's like, no, I'm a CMO who is fantastic at paid and fantastic at this. And yeah, I can do SEO and I can do like, But like, I'm not going to be great in a company that requires that. So I guess like what I'm trying to say is like, do you want the CMO who I think it kind of appears with you? Who's like, I would argue almost more growth based than anything because you're kind of following where the is the coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Versus like the person who is really good at like some of those like channels. Like, how do you think about that? Like, if I was trying to hire someone like you, kind of a thing.
2: So I'll I'll give you probably not the best answer in the sense that it depends, right? And what I mean by it depends is it depends on what the business needs and what the organization needs. If you're smaller, for example, often a CMO that's really good at acquisition really understands demand gen performance marketing and paid strategy and you're well-funded and you just gotta get those results, then that's a critical part. If you need somebody that's gonna build a bigger team potentially, then from that perspective, I really think depending on the CMO, but you know, probably biased here because I'm a CMO. But I think if you're a strong CMO, you're kind of a generalist, even if you do have a T-shaped area. But for me, it's less about what is my area of discipline at this stage? Yes, I get excited about that. And yes, I want to do it. Like I have moments where I'm like, oh, if I could only just write some conversion copy today. But my job is a lot more getting out of the way and actually helping serve and empower and enable the team that I'm growing and scaling in order to go and execute their areas of focus. And so depending on the organization, if you're smaller, you might want somebody much more specialized in what you need as a business. As you get a little bit bigger, it's really about people that are really good at building teams and really good at recruiting and making sure that they can think about the organizational design for what that department needs. And I'll kind of go back to something I mentioned a little bit ago. I also look for hiring people that are stronger than me in multitudes of different areas, which are lots of different areas. And I think that's important, too, is that you're building a world-class team.
1: Yeah. Again, another thing I think is really important to point out is that it's probably worth like in those conversations, like asking that marketing candidate, especially if everything they're talking about is this channel, this channel, like, okay, great. Let's say those channels don't exist. How would you build out the PR and events world right here? Because I think that is probably going to show a lot are they the true like powerful generalist CMO or are they someone who like one rode the coattails of like a company that did really well, right? Like, yeah. or, um, and there's someone I'm thinking about in that particular case that I'm not going to mention. Not me. No, it's not you at all. You've done so well at so many different places. Like it can't be, it can't be that. Right. But I think that the other thing is like making sure that they're not just a copy paste marketer, or I think right. they called it ABC marketer or whatever back in the day where it's like, oh, I saw that, I'm just going to go do it. Or like, oh, this is what I did last time. It obviously should yeah. work. Like that's everything. That's really cool.
2: I think you also have to be really thoughtful about what you need from your CMO. If you are a sales-led organization, for example, your CMO has to have worked with the sales team yeah. before and have There's a really a good example. There's a little bit of that, right? Wherein, if you're product-led, you probably want to have had product-led experience. Um, so I think there are components of what you're looking for. And one thing that you mentioned that I do think is really important is if you are in the earlier stage, and acquisition is number one, you got to be careful you're not hiring somebody that's too much of a brand marketer. Because I would say, you know, different marketers think different ways, and it really depends on what you're looking for. And so I would, I would probably urge the founders or the CEOs or whomever the executive team is, is to really think about what they need in the organization. And then that becomes a part of the hiring process and to really vet that through.
1: So Okay. That's really helpful. So it's kind of like you are looking for someone who can play that generalist role, but there's probably things they kind of trend towards yeah. and you want to make sure you align towards those trends. Probably in the early stage, like, yeah, like, I like what you said, but okay. We've done our research.
2: We've done our research. We've kind
1: of come up with the framework of how we're going to win at X company. We've evangelized it a little bit. We've probably had some conversations with people who don't quite get it, but like, it's not because they not smart. It's just because they don't, they're not a marketer. Right. Right. And so you've had those conversations. You mentioned hiring people who are better than you at certain things. How do you set up that team? Like almost like functionally, like I know you already have an existing team, um, at Bitly and obviously you're going to expand and hire some other people, but like maybe starting from zero, like how do we, how do we hire out that team? Because I could see, well, I don't know if I'm going to go deep in events. So I don't know if I need an event marketer yet. There's also the world of like, I'm going for broke. I need, I know I'm going to need these different marketers. Like, how do you think about that team?
2: Yeah, I think it starts with the goals. Again, if we're starting from scratch, right? Not based off of you've got a team that you've already absorbed. Because if you've absorbed a team, you got to talk to them first again and figure out kind of where they want to grow and what their skills are uh, and what their history is. But if you're starting from scratch, I think you start with understanding what your goals are and then what are your gaps? And depending on your stage, then that's what you start to hire for. I think a lot of people will sometimes look at lookalikes and that's probably a big mistake depending on what you need because you need people that you can partner with. And so when I say hiring for where I'm not strong, I love data, hate spreadsheets. I do not love (laughs) living and breathing and going through and trying to crunch all the numbers and I'm not very good at it. And so one of my first hires is always gonna be somebody in RevOps or analytics because that way those people are great partners to me. I'm also very much on, if you ever do any of the disc profiling or personality tests, I'm strong on the extroverted, you know, get everybody aligned, talk about value, get people in the room. Not really good about going in and making sure I validate my data. And so partnering with somebody that I can go in and say, Hey, I'm thinking this, can you go in and look at this with me? Are we thinking about this the right way? Is generally my number one partner. And that's sometimes an acquisition that's sometimes in revenue ops and analytics. And so I think you're finding first and foremost, what are the people that you need in order to become successful as a marketer? Generally start with your leadership team. I would say a lot of people will start and think, oh, if I just bring in somebody that doesn't have a lot of experience, but is hungry and ready to grow and learn, you actually spend more time coaching than you spend doing. And I'm a strong advocate if the budget is there. And honestly, even if it's not, you're better off hiring one really strong VP than you are five practitioners. But a VP that's willing to roll up their sleeves, write copy, do emails, like get in and do the work.
1: So we have a RevOps person or a marketing ops, depending on the org. We're hiring a VP. Like, is that VP have like a function area? Are they a generalist as well? Like, how do you how do you think about that?
2: Depends on the size of your marketing org, I would say. And it depends on what you're planning on scaling. And so usually part of my process will be work closely, one with CEO. I report into the president, but also your CFO to really understand what your marketing budget is and where your priorities are. And then what's your operating plan for what you need to achieve? And then based off of that, I'll start to map out an org structure. And so I would say being in SaaS for over a decade, generally the types of work structures that you're looking at is you might want the revenue ops role. I like that role to be by itself not actually under an acquisition team a lot of people will put them under acquisition yeah, it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense because it, you want them to be non-biased you want them to go in and look at the data and challenge that and be a partner to marketing well
1: they're if they're true rev ops, they're looking at data and sitting across many different orgs outside of marketing as exactly well. yeah. yeah
2: and they're working i've had them in marketing i've had them working in a full rev ops division Um, but they're working cross-functionally, right, with everybody that's reporting on data, so you're looking at the same numbers. Acquisition's a no-brainer. Sometimes that will come in the shape of a plain VP of marketing, or a VP of acquisition or growth or demand generation, all
1: kind of What is same. that person doing? Just because yeah. I think acquisition's a loose term, and it, I think in the marketing world it's being used, but it, it's catching up in the non-marketing world what that actually means. So like what right. do you mean that specifically? Like yeah. what is that person focused on? When I think on? about
2: that function, I'm thinking about the way I would explain it when we were at Teamwork was the acquisition team was everybody that was focused ruthlessly on driving growth. And so everything that they worked on was revenue, Revenue, driving growth and revenue. So everything that they were working on, at least on the acquisition side, had a metric or a target behind it. They're very aligned to wanting to live in the data. They might be doing website optimization, performance marketing, like search engine marketing or paid social, a lot of SEO and organic. I would say they're they're the ones that are responsible for driving organic, paid, direct, all of your different channels to drive your outcomes, whether that's if you're product led, trials or signups, if you're sales led, demos or quotes, right? But their goal is to truly be the ones that are focused on bringing the funnel and starting to move that funnel. And then lifecycle marketing will often sit under the acquisition team as well for conversion, emails, you know, the new fancy way of calling them email marketing. And so that tends to be a first hire. I like how
1: we reinvent all these terms all the time because we're like, we don't have any channels that open up every quarter anymore. We need to like, you know, reinvent them. It's got to
2: yeah. be fancy. We call it life cycle now.
1: So we have a RevOps, we have a VP that's probably focused on acquisition. Yep. Where else?
2: Brand and communications, for yeah. sure, comes next. And I think that...
1: VP, of- like, depends VP, on your budget, but yeah. for sure, okay. it depends on
2: the budget, but I think VP is critical. And I think brand and communications, this role can have some roles in it, and I'd say there's some interchangeable, which we'll get to. Um, but for a VP of brand and communications, they're working on PR. Their core KPIs are awareness and impressions and everything... Mm-hmm out of the site. So they're trying to drive more people to your website, to your product, to learn about you, to know about you, to love you, and to connect with you. Social media sits under branded communications usually in my orgs as well, um, because they're really about engaging and interacting and driving more of those awareness and impressions. And then sometimes in brand uh, excited that this will be a part of the Billy brand team. Uh, you have got employer brand, which is really focused on working with your people division and driving a lot more of your internal communications and your branding efforts for your people.
1: So we have comms and brand are all one. one. So you have two VPs right now.
2: Two VPs. Okay.
1: Any more VPs?
2: Got another one. So well, I technically one and a half. So product marketing, yep. for sure. Critical role yep. within SaaS. And I think product marketing is often one of the most confusing roles sometimes within marketing. It can mean a million things to a million different people. And so what I'm looking for in product marketers, again, very metrics focused, uh, even though I don't like spreadsheets, really focused on people that are really critically deep diving into your customer research, your competitive and market analysis, but also they care about product adoption. They care about launches, but it's not just, let's get this out there. It's really understanding who's using what parts of the product, based off of that, what are things that we can learn that product marketing can bring back to the rest of the marketing department and say, hey, you know, at Bitly, we're finding this percent of growth with our QR codes when they're leveraging QR codes with link management let's run a campaign on that. And then that becomes part of how we come up with our next one big thing. Right. And so I think product marketing truly sits at the epicenter of your full marketing department as a partner to marketing and a partner to product and the rest of the business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And who is the half?
2: The half is content. And the reason I say the half is content is content can sit in a bunch of places, right? Like I've seen content sit in brand, it's set in acquisition, and in some places it sits on its own. So I do think that content is something really dependent on the company that you're at and where the right place for content to sit is. Um, In my previous role, what we did is we actually created a content squad because we found content focused on the different pillars within each division was the best way for us to achieve the goals. In other organizations that I've worked at, content is its own total umbrella and they own organic as a metric or they own community sometimes. So I think content can be something that you've got to understand what content is for you. Are you building a media hub or are you focused on driving more organic trials through a blog? Yeah.
1: So we have these like three and a half VPs Obviously, these VPs, like if you just hire the VPs, even if they're willing to roll up their sleeves, like can't last that long, I'm sure. Like, So do you at least need a couple of directors, functionary like underneath them? Like how deep do you go on these teams like at the outside?
2: So I would say building from scratch. I'm a huge believer in working with your team to figure that out. And so usually if you're hiring the right VPs, they're going to come in with their own perspective. And my expectations are, you know, I've got these people... They're all rock stars, put them in place. Then I'm gonna to wanna to see them going on their own roadshow and understanding what their metrics are, working with them closely and saying, All right, VP brand, I want you to deliver this many impressions and this much awareness. What do you need? What are the things that you have? What are the things you wanna outsource? Here's your budget. How are we gonna work with that budget to then figure it out? And like you mentioned, there's some roles like brand, will generally have social media, they'll generally have events, they'll generally have PR and comms, internal branding and employer brand. You can't hire six people right out of the gates. So we figure out what are the things you have to hire for right away. And I might have some in my back pocket, right? I might know that we're gonna need a social media manager and say like, hey, I think you really need a social media manager. Can we move quickly on that? But I won't make that decision without the VPs.
1: Those numbers you were talking about, are you kind of setting those top down? Or, I mean, it's probably a little bit of like, if they go, no way in hell it's happening, like you're gonna have a conversation, but like where's that number or that goal being set?
2: Great question. I think it really depends on how how far along the organization is. And so what I mean by that is say you're building a brand team from the ground up. They might not have any numbers right out of the gates that they can look at and say, oh, this is what I can do. And so what you start with is establishing, how do you get that benchmark? And so whether that's in social and using a social media management platform to then go in and analyze over a certain period of time, what that should look like, Sometimes you get to start with best in class and then work your way backwards and forwards from that. Sometimes I would say with acquisition, it's usually a lot more cut and dry. You kind of know what your operating plan is to a certain degree. And I'll often work with um, your head of FP&A, financial planning and analysis, or if you have the marketing rev ops function that you're working with, they'll probably have some of those metrics. Maybe your CFO does. And so I'm figuring some of that out from the beginning is what do we have? And what do we need? And then working with, you know, the direct leader, VP, maybe director, depending on stage to then say, okay, this is what we have. This is what we don't have. Let's go. And generally, most people, if they're senior enough, they're going to have some form of perspective of what their goal should be. And that's usually what I'm hiring for is I'm going to ask people during the hiring process How do you measure success? What does a successful brand look like to you? How do you report on that? How often do you share that? And really understand from them what their thinking is so that when they come in the door, that's the first thing we're working on.
1: That's cool. You hinted at previously and then you just kind of hinted at it like this cross-company collaboration. Like a lot of pitfalls there, I presume. Because again, I said before, marketing is like an easy place to blame. Not because I think it's just—it's not fair. Sometimes it's probably fair, but like, it's just like, it's just one of those things where because it's amorphous and because people just kind of look at probably the end of pipeline, they don't really look at like all the stuff that's up up funnel, right? Like, it's like, well, sales is like, well, we we didn't get enough pipeline. The pipeline numbers are wrong. Like a lot of these numbers end up being very amorphous, unfortunately. One, how do you handle that? Because that's a very high level. And then like, who are your advocates and who do you need like to make sure you have buy-in across the board? Like sales is obvious, but who else? Yeah.
2: So I'll start by saying you can't be a CMO if you don't want or like to collaborate. Like you have to collaborate and build partnerships and create open communication with your entire executive team that you're working alongside with that's probably step 1 i would say in the beginning in the next 30 days you know part of my goal getting to know everyone uh, understanding their hopes and dreams with marketing but also starting to build those relationships because i would say every single executive that i've worked with that is one of my core partners and i will answer that we have hard conversations every day and i think those conversations come down to i don't have enough pipeline or well who should own this part of email if it's a- here in the customer journey, or this product hasn't launched yet. What's happening here? These people aren't getting along. I would say there's constant friction that's happening within marketing, within all organizations, and marketing does get blamed a lot. But I think the more that you can start to build those relationships and create that collaboration, the easier it is to just face those things head on. I would say my core partners, it, and again, it depends on what your goals are, uh, but it's really everybody in leadership you know, your CFO holds your budget. You definitely have to understand what are the things keeping them up at night? What are the things that they want to see marketing deliver on and then be ahead of that and make sure you can show them here's the results we're working on. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's the data to really understand when you're asking for something that you can give the why. I think a CFO relationship is really, really important. Same as your people relationship, because there's a lot of collaboration there, both for the internal comms, but they're going to need a lot for marketing too, especially when they're thinking about things they want to do for their people uh, your obvious ones I mentioned before kind of a go- to market team is generally your sales and success team so customer facing teams that you're working with, your product team absolutely you know your chief product officer constantly working with them and understanding what are the things we're working on within the product and what are the things that we're doing and I think in most product orders I've worked on because I've always been in a product led organization growth tends to be something that lives both in marketing and product. And that becomes a really strong collaboration that you also have to work on with your execution. And then I think obviously your, your COO, your CRO, you know, whatever your org structure is, I just basically listed all of them. So I think they're all really important and they're important for different reasons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's interesting. I think the struggle that marketing has, like you said the word collaboration, how much consensus building are you building and how much are you like this is where we're going, let me know if you have any feedback. Cause I think that can get really tough because marketing has such a broad like scope. Like I feel as if it can get very tough to like, toe that line of like democracy versus like, this is where we're going. Like yeah. you have so much more context than everyone else. That type of
2: totally. Thing you know. So that all starts with the roadshow. I think that's the important part of your listening roadshow that you go through. So where I mentioned earlier, similar to customer feedback, which we dug into a little bit more, Part of it is that when you're listening and hearing everybody, when you come back with, here's our priorities, people are often going to see themselves in those priorities. And it might be a different version of it, but I will often point back to, and I heard this from this person, or this is something else that came up often in the feedback. Here's the things we've prioritized, and this is why we've prioritized them, so I try to create a form of communication that is very much you know, the latter, where it's like, no, this is what we're doing, and this is why we're doing it, because at that stage, I've worked with everyone in marketing, I've worked with everyone in leadership, and I do it fast enough, that's not a six month process, that'll be done, that's being done right now, and I'm only on day six, and that's probably the most important thing That you can actually do because then when you're driving that vision and you're bringing that product forward you're bringing your roadmap forward the rest of the team is looking at and saying aha i got it you've told me the why and so i don't do a lot of let's get everyone in the room and ask their opinions because i'm asking their opinions while i'm formulating a lot of that plan and then the second part of that answer is when there is a lot of people in the room and opinions on do it this way do it that way test you know you can always test it I think that's always the thing that I'll come back on is like great feedback. Neither one of us actually know.
1: Yeah. I've learned many things about you, but like something that's really interesting that you have like a rare combination of is I think you like the spreadsheets more than like maybe you don't like the work of the spreadsheets. But I just on
2: like the formula, like I the like outputs. the spreadsheets. I like, you like yeah, the, I the insights.
1: Like you've combined being data, I would say informed, because I think data driven is a little like not the right phrase, but being data informed while also being like a very empathetic collaborative leader which it's a pretty rare combination. So at least I haven't seen it as much, right? There's always levels to all this stuff. Like people might be listening, but like, I see that all the time with marketers, but I haven't seen it, I know a lot of marketers. So that's really cool. Anything else on, on this like structure, org, all that kind of fun stuff?
2: Oh, I'm sure there's lots of different things. I think for anyone that's listening, most important thing is, you mentioned this earlier, don't walk in as a CMO and think that what you did before is what's gonna work this time around. I think that's a really important thing. And we all learn that the hard way. Our experience sometimes is Whether you're is the marketer in that, that situation right?
1: or the person who hired the marketer. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. And so I think making sure that you listen, making sure that you spend time formulating a plan that's uniquely specific to the business that you're working in, do it every time. Yeah. That's so important. So that would be the first one. And then the other one I would say is dependent on how you build your team and the right structure for your team. Make sure your team knows their outcomes and make sure they understand their responsibility. Because I can't say how many times I've joined a team or at some stage been a part of a team where people will often feel confused or they often don't have the clarity because they just don't know how they can bring the most value. And so I think the important part of building your org is build the structure right for your business, but then connect your people with knowing how can they crush it? What are the things that they know that they are solely responsible for that they can control Uh, And the things that they fight through and they struggle through to know that part of the job of being an executive, where we talked about earlier, it's not necessarily doing the work. It's sometimes helping teach people how to do that, serving them, rolling up your sleeves in a different way where you become more of a coach and you're helping them learn those hard things together. Because you'll see your people fall down and it sucks to see your people fall down. And but you got to be there to help them get up.
1: That's great. I think that's a perfect way to end. Uh, Where can people find you? Anything you want to plug?
2: Yeah, I mean, you can find me anywhere on social media. It's just at Tara E. Robertson. Not to be confused with Tara A. Robertson, who's my Robertson doppelganger in SaaS, but you can reach me on Twitter, LinkedIn, any of, the, any of the social sites.
1: Awesome, this is great, thank you.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, thanks for having me.
0: A huge shout out to Tara for doing this podcast. Now you have what it takes to market well. Today, we talked about connecting emotion and value to drive results what to look for when building a marketing team, prioritizing efforts on areas of biggest influence, setting up a team of highly skilled marketers, and which partnerships are essential within your organization. If you want to support Paddle and the show, we'd really appreciate it if you left a five-star review of this podcast or the equivalent rating wherever you listen or watch. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to and tell your friends about Protect the Hustle, a podcast from Paddle.